asteroids heading towards Earth, and mankind has to figure out some way to save the planet from this disaster of an asteroid strike. And so Harry's going to blow up the asteroid. And in the middle of this movie, with this this premise that is sort of out there, we get this scene that if, if we're just a little bit honest, it's that kind of scene even in the middle of kind of a this outlandish movie, this crazy event that's going on, this uh, not very realistic maybe, uh, you know, set of circumstances. And then in the middle of this movie, we get this scene where, you know, as a dad, you, your eyes start to water a little bit and your kids sitting next to you are like, dad, why are you crying? And you, shut up. You know, it, I'm, you know, doesn't matter. You'll you'll understand when you're older. Get over. It. And you, why? Why are we impacted that way? Well, because there's just the right amount of words. You know, there's just the words are just crafted in such a way to sort of invoke this response of emotion. And it, it might not uh, happen that way if the scene is written just a little bit differently. If the words just come out just a little bit in a little bit of a different way. You know, if in the middle of the scene, a uh, daughter says, Daddy, everything good I have inside of me is from you, and I love you, and I'm proud of you, and I want to tell you a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. Uh, who's there? Not you. Um... Not you who? Not you, Daddy, because you're about to die on an asteroid. You know, maybe a different response in that scene, right? I, you know, the words are, are sort of the same. We get all the same information. The same story is unfolding, but we're probably going to react in just a little bit of a different way in, in the middle of the scene with some goofy knock-knock uh, joke in the goofy disaster movie. Because we all know words really do matter, huh? And, and why do words matter? Well, words have always mattered to God. If you go back way to the beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 1, we, we read about God creating the world. And how did he do it? He spoke creation into existence. You know, words have always carried power, and especially uh, from the creator, sustainer, redeemer, God, wor words uh, have power, and, and they make a difference. And God has chosen to communicate through uh, different ways with his people. And one of those ways we take advantage of every week here at Wallula Christian Church, we, we open up a book. You know, we, we look into God's word. We call scripture, and we study. We want to hear what he has to say to us. We want to we wanna try to figure out, you know, the best direction for our life, which we believe comes from this plan that he's laid out in the Bible. And so we study God's word because words matter. If you look at the gospel of John and you begin in chapter one, you'll read about God sending Jesus into this world. And they, they talk about it as the word becoming flesh. Well, you know, that's just a continuation of God communicating with us. Words matter because they help us connect in relationship, and, and God has always understood this, and he's always worked through this. Even with the sending of his son Jesus into this world, it's, it's an a, a opportunity to connect with his creation. God, with God, words really matter. And with us, words matter too. And, and because they provide us with this opportunity to connect in relationship. And, and I, we can connect well with our neighbors. We're going to take a look again at the book of Colossians in your New Testament, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 5 and 6, just a very short 
section of scripture this morning, but I think in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it teaches us two steps to connecting well with our neighbors. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the fourth chapter of the book of Colossians. Uh, A couple ways you can find that. Uh, You can uh, look on your outline at the top. There's a page number that will take you quickly to Colossians chapter 4 in uh, one of the Bibles and the chairs around you. Uh, If you're using a device, if you're using that YouVersion app maybe to read God's Word this morning, then you can search under uh, events and find Wallula Christian Church. It'll take you to this section of Scripture as well, and you can follow along with the outline that's on the back of your bulletin uh, in the YouVersion app as well. Colossians chapter 4. Verses 5 and 6. This is what God's word says. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Be wise. The first step is, is uh, this morning that we want to think about is just to walk wisely. Walk wisely. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Outsiders, Be wise. That's a, that's a short word, just a little four-letter word, but it's a complicated word. And it's a theme that has run all through this letter. If you go back and you kind of study the book of Colossians a little bit, then you'll realize that Paul has talked about wisdom over and over and over again. And in chapter 1, verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So Paul is, is, wants to encourage uh, God's people to, uh, to pay attention and to gain in wisdom and understanding. That's his desire for the, the family of God. If you go to the next chapter, in chapter 2, verse 3, I'll, I guess I'll start reading in verse 2. It says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in chapter 2, Paul starts to unpack the source of this wisdom, and he starts to unpack this idea that if you want, if you want to live a, a wise life, if you want to walk wisely, then you need to go to the source of this wisdom that's Jesus. And in chapter 3, and in verse 16, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So being together as a family, as a team, Uh, As God's family, we have the opportunity to, to reach in and figure out different resources that help us to walk wisely. That word wise is a, is a short word, but it's a complicated word. If we want to walk wisely, how do we, how do we do that? What's that look like? Now, sometimes I'll, I'll be in having a conversation with my kids, and they'll be telling me about maybe a friend at school who got in a little trouble or whatever, or maybe their brother or sister who's in a little trouble in a predicament, and they're explaining what went on. And, and rather than sort of filling in all the details, sometimes they'll just say something like, well, they were really stupid. Right? What do they mean? Do they mean that they're just hanging out with unintelligent people? That, that their friends are really dumb? Is that what they mean? I, I don't think so. They, they just mean that their friends or 
themselves or whoever they're talking about made a poor choice. They didn't make a wise choice in that situation, right? We understand, most of us in this room have enough experience to know that wisdom isn't always the same thing as intelligence. Sometimes the knowledge that Paul writes about that we need to gather and we need to understand and we need to study, that can help us make a wise choice. But those two things don't always go together. Wisdom isn't necessarily simply intelligence. Through the course of that conversation, I might say to my kids at the end of the conversation, well, you ought to do this. This is, this is my advice to you. And, and I'll sometimes tease my kids and say, you really ought to pay attention because dad is right 99.9% of the time. Well, what do I mean? I, I don't necessarily mean that I'm always right. I mean, wisdom isn't always the same thing as being right. Sometimes we confuse being right with being wise. Uh, wisdom isn't necessarily the same thing even as experience. You know, if we had to draw a picture of what wisdom looks like, if we had to draw a picture of wisdom personified, you know, what would... What would wisdom look like in your mind if you were drawing that picture? I suppose if I was drawing that picture, it would look like somebody who, who has had some experience in life, right? I, I'm drawing that person with, with gray hair. I'm drawing that person with some obvious signs of experience in life. Well, that's not always the case, though. I read, a, I read an article this week about a guy. His name's Timothy Knight, and Timothy was on his way to court because he had been charged with stealing cars. And so he was on his way to court to, uh, to face these charges. And Timothy Knight, who's 53 years old, pulls up to his court date to face these charges of stealing cars in a stolen car. Right? Maybe not the wisest choice this guy could make, huh? Maybe not the best decision. And, and he's 53 years old. He, he's what my mom would say, he's old enough to know better, right? Wisdom isn't necessarily the same thing as experience. All of those things can contribute to wisdom, right? Intelligence, knowledge, righteous living, and experience. Certainly all of those contribute to wisdom, but that's not the source of wisdom. How do we walk wisely? Where do we go? How do we figure that out? Well, in verse 5, in verse 5, it says, be wise in the way you walk towards outsiders. Walk, the English Standard Version says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. I, I love the way that translation puts it because this, this idea of being wise isn't a one-time thing we, we, we do at, when we're faced with a certain predicament or a certain decision to make. We have to, just like we are in relationship and breathe in and breathe out in prayer, we talked about last week, we have to live with wisdom in, in every situation. If you go back to verse 16 in chapter 3, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you. Hey, you see, I think wisdom really boils down to the same thing that everything boils down to in, in our life. It boils down to a relationship and allowing that message of Christ to dwell among you. What's, what's that mean? It means we, we want to live in relationship with Jesus. Jesus talked about it as you abide in me and I will abide in you. There's a relationship to begin and, and to be nurtured uh, between us and, and Jesus, the message of Christ. What's that message? Well, that message is that every one of us 
is in desperate need of a Savior, that Jesus desires a relationship with each one of us, that we're all in the same predicament. We're all in the same situation. We're each one of us in the same boat. I, w- I was talking to somebody last week, and, and they said, well, the trouble with church is that church is a great place for families who have it all together. And I thought, I, I didn't say it, but I thought, have you been to our church? Because, you, you know, if, if we look around in this room, we see, you know, the same broken people that this person was talking about. You know, every one of us is in the exact same spot. Now, sometimes we smile when we come in, and, and sometimes that's real. And sometimes, let's be honest, we're just putting on a smile because we think we have to. We, we've experienced something in the last week that, that just highlights for us the fact that we're broken like everybody else. Everybody in this room is in the same exact situation. We're broken. We, we, do, we need, we require a Savior. You know, my family's no different, for sure. Sherry has recently... Uh, started uh, working full-time, and that's a little bit of a change for our family, and so we're, we're navigating some different situations at home, just silly, simple stuff. Like, you, you know, for instance, uh, recently, you know, I came home from work, and some stuff that would miraculously be done during the day, you know, these little fairies would take care of it or whatever while I was away, well, they're on strike. You know, and that stuff's not being taken care of. And, and you walk in and, uh, man, look, I need to do this, and I don't want to do this. Well, what's the truth? Nobody wants to do that, right? Nobody wants to do that. And, and so I, I go about that task, and, and I wish I could tell you that every time I went about that task with just the right attitude, but I don't. And sometimes I'm grumpy as I do it, and I think, well, this isn't fair. I have to do this, and this, and that gets expressed to everybody in the house, Right? Everybody knows that. Everybody senses that. Everybody figures that out. That dad's not happy. And dad, honestly, you know, I have no right to feel that way. I have no more right than anybody else to feel that way. But I'm, I'm a person, right? I'm broken. So everybody gets to figure out that Lance is grumpy today because of the silly, you know, dishes that need washed or whatever the deal is. My son, I I told you my son Clayton, he's 16 years old. He just started driving several months. A few months ago, he got a speeding ticket. He hid it from us for a couple days. I've told this story, right? He just lied to us for several days. Sherry walked into the bedroom a couple nights ago. She said, why are the girls' doors to their bedrooms always closed? It's like they don't like being around us. They need to have those doors open so they can be a part of the family. What is wrong with them? I said, I have no idea. I've never been a teenage girl. That's your department. Right? I don't know. Right? And you might be saying, well, Lance, yeah, but those are all silly things. They're not big deals. You know, we love to compare our brokenness, don't we? We love to compare how broken we are. Just, just the other day, we have this television in the living room and through a series, well, really, it wasn't a series event. It was one event that somebody in our house took a bucket lid and accidentally threw it into the television. It broke the television. You know, you, you can turn the television on and you can hear the ball game. You just can't see the ball game. 
So I guess the truth is the television isn't completely broken. Are there televisions that are more broken than that one? Absolutely. But at a certain point, isn't broken just broken? Right? When you look around the room, when you look to your left and you look to your right, what you'll discover, what you'll see, is somebody dealing with some degree of brokenness. Every one of us is in desperate need of a relationship with the only source of wisdom that can make a difference for all of eternity. We're in desperate need of a relationship with Jesus. We're in desperate need for his word, for his presence, for him to dwell among us. That's the first relationship that's taught about in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that helps us to walk wisely. But it's not the end of the relationships that matter. If you go on in, in, in verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Right? We need each other. We need relationships with one another. In fact, you go back to verse 5 in chapter 4. It, it says, uh, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Walk wisely toward outsiders. Now, it, this language it makes me a little uncomfortable because we've just sort of unpacked the idea that there really isn't such a thing as an outsider. We're each one in the same boat. We're all in desperate need of a Savior with Jesus. And so who is Paul talking about? What's, what's he describing here with this idea of outsider? Where he, he's describing a, a person who has yet to say yes to Jesus. He's describing somebody who's outside of that family, who's outside of God's team, who, who needs a relationship with Jesus and, and who needs a relationship with somebody who is involved in a relationship with Jesus so that they can share a, that, that difference-making relationship. We, we, have to, uh, we have to continue to walk wisely towards outsiders. We have to engage with them. And, and how do we start that? How do we begin to do that? I think it boils down to something as simple as starting a conversation with our neighbors, beginning a relationship with them. And the, the best way for us, believe it or not, and, and to begin that relationship and start that conversation is to listen well. Uh, some of you uh, grew up like, like me in an, in an era when you saw these television commercials for this uh, financial group, E.F. Hutton, and maybe you remember these commercials. And whenever I think of the idea of listening well, I think of these commercials. Here, here's one I found. Watch this commercial. I love this commercial, I guess maybe because it's the end of the school year, you know, and, and we just want to say thanks to all the teachers in the room. We, we really appreciate the way that you, uh, you bless our families and make a difference in our students' lives and, and uh, take the next few weeks so you forget reality and you, you, 
you start to believe again that, that your classroom will look just like that commercial with students gathered around intensely and intently listening all the time to each other and to you. And, and when I think about listening well, you know, we need to listen with that sort of intensity we live in a world where we, we have so many opportunities to share what we think, to sort of voice our opinion, that sometimes our conversations become just another chance for us to express ourselves, when really, uh, to, to communicate well, to walk wisely towards our neighbors, we need to be able to listen really well. We need to be able to stop and, and pay attention. There's, there's three keys to this relationship, to walking wisely towards our neighbors. You can write these down. Are you ready? Number one is to listen. Number two is to listen. And number three is to listen, right? Everybody is in the same boat, but we all have a different story as to how we got there, huh? And, and we need to pay attention to that story. We need to pay attention to each other, one author said it like this, being listened to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. Being listened to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. If we want to walk wisely towards our neighbors, then we need to begin this relationship and really listen, pay attention to their story, hear where they're coming from. That's the first step. And the second step, you know, it follows suit. It's, at some point, we're not listening just for waiting for a break in the conversation so that we can express ourselves. But at some point, we're going to need to communicate with them. We're going to need to speak and to interact. And we can communicate considerately. The second step is to com communicate considerately. Verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversations be always full of grace. We want to be overflowing with grace. We've talked about before being grace wholesalers. We want to, we want to lead with grace first. We want that to ooze out of our, of our lives, of our decisions, of our conversations. Jesus talked about it like this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil things stored up in his heart, for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. You know, it goes back to that relationship and centering on that relationship with Christ, listening, breathing in, listening to him, being willing to breathe out, to share with him and to share with others. Our conversations can begin and be bathed. They can overflow. They can be full of grace, seasoned with salt. You know, Paul is, is talking about conversations here, which is a weird uh, place to bring up this idea of salt. And as you study what Paul means, it's a metaphor for uh, making conversations interesting, but even more than interesting. It's not so much, hey, we want to be able to speak in a way that people can pay attention, but we want to speak in a way that people understand. And sometimes when we think about, you know, sharing the story of Jesus, when we think about sharing what it means to be in relationship with him, you know, we use language that some folks might not really get. They might not understand. You know, even as last week we talked about beginning in prayer, 
Well, as you're listening to your neighbors, there's going to be opportunities for you, to, you, for you to tell them, hey, I'd love to pray for you about that. Simple things, you know, and, and some things are big, but the kinds of things that we pray about all the time with people we care about. Maybe your neighbor is going in for a medical procedure, he's sharing that with you, and, and you say, I want to pray for you. And sometimes uh, church people use language when we want to pray for the protection of folks we care about. We'll, we'll say, I, I, I want to pray, I'm going to pray a hedge of protection around you. Have you ever heard that phrase? I, we, we say that sometimes, and, and if you haven't grown up in the church, if you haven't uh, had much church experience, you're probably thinking, why are we calling the gardener? to pray. You know, what's the deal? And, and what is so scary? What's so uh, secure about a hedge anyway? I, I don't, I've never known a bush to keep anybody away from anything, you know? And, and so we use that language when we really mean we just want to pray that God would protect you and that he'd take care of you. Sometimes somebody's leaving for a trip. We want to pray for their safety as they travel. And we, we wrap that up in sort of religious language and we say, hey, I'm going to pray travel mercies over you. Right? What do we mean? We, we just mean we want to pray that God provides you with a safe trip. And we can just say what we mean. We don't have to wrap everything up in, in religious language. And so, you know, there's no secret, uh, there's no secret combination to enjoy a salty conversation. It just means let's, let's speak in a way that makes sense with each other so that you may know how to answer everyone. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Uh, you know, as we continue in relationship with Jesus and we, we continue to hear from the Holy Spirit, he's going to do the heavy lifting as we're involved in these relationships. We can just begin to live with, with other folks and to bless them, to pray for them, to, to listen to their stories, and then, then we'll know the right thing to say in the right spot. You know, I suppose you think about those, those movies a little more. And uh, there are famous movies with famous movie lines that just fit in the, the exact right spot. You remember the movie E.T. about a little alien guy he's trapped on Earth, he's trying to get home? And he's telling uh, the boy who's hiding him in his closet, right? He, he needs to communicate with his family on this other planet. And he says, E.T., phone home. It's this great line of this alien, you know, learning English and speaking this. And, and it, it was just a perfect line that we remember even to this day. We probably wouldn't remember it if E.T. If e. had said instead, I'm an extraterrestrial being who desires to use a rotary telephone to connect, to contact my relatives. It, it probably just loses a little something. And some of you kids, you need to ask your parents what a rotary telephone is. That's fine, too. Or what about Forrest Gump? You remember Forrest Gump? Forrest sitting on a bench, he said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. What if Forrest instead had said, life is like a box of chocolates, and sometimes you pick the one with the orange yucky stuff in the middle, and you take one bite, and you want to throw up, so you put it back, and you choose another one. Well, it, you know, the same information, the scene would have just played a little differently. And, and if we're honest, sometimes... We don't walk wisely towards our neighbors. We don't go towards them at all. We don't communicate considerately, not because we're inconsiderate, but because we're scared of being inconsiderate. Because we're so worried about having the right word at the right time. And this is my promise to you. I promise you that as you walk wisely towards your neighbor, 
as you have conversations with them, at some point in time, you are going to use the wrong words. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because if, if you've chosen, if you've chosen to, to have those conversations be full of grace, if you've chosen to understand and to live in such a way that expresses, man, we are all in the same boat. I don't have it more figured out than you do. And we're just trying to grow and, and get to know Jesus more. If you're living in that way, then that love is going to cover up a multitude of wrongs. And that relationship between you and Jesus and being shared with others is going to cover up a multitude of, of poor choices. And we have the promise that as we're growing in relationship with Jesus, Holy Spirit's going to help us. And he's going to fix some of those mistakes we make. He's going to give us the words to say in other situations. We can walk wisely and we can communicate considerably. Let's stand and worship him together.